Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to The Morning Show podcast for our huge second episode. Uh, I can't believe they had us back, Laz. I can, Carl. We did a two-for-one deal. They're always going to have us back for the second one. Ahead for you, Australian Idol winner Kate DeRouge opens up about her health battles and her road to recovery. And we say hello again to Sally Obermeter. Uh, Sal's in to talk family and food and her growing fashion business. And we've recruited a self-confessed maths nerd to break down the odds of winning those massive lotto jackpots. He's going to tell us if we should play the same numbers every single week. Mm, I wonder. Plus, we've got singer Jack Vigen, comedian Celeste Barber is going to swing by, and the black market beauty products putting Australians at risk. But first for you, the superstar stylist with royal connections, Jessica Mulrooney, has dressed everyone from Mindy Kaling to Shania Twain and, of course, Meghan Markle. Now she's using her own fame for good. Jessica Mulrooney may be a name you have read in a magazine or heard on the news, but how well do you really know the celebrity stylist? Behind the glamorous shots we like on Instagram, Jessica has been gearing up for her biggest year yet, and she's got a message you need to hear. And we're super excited. Jessica Mulrooney joins us live from Toronto. Good morning, Jessica. Hi. It has (laughs) been... So nice to see you guys. Nice to finally catch up with you as well. Looking. Yeah, Ben is lurking in the corner, by the way, so jealous because he really <laughs> wants to talk to you guys. I think it was like about a year and a half ago we were in Australia yeah. and he was on the show um, and he hasn't stopped talking about you guys since, I, I, I swear. Well, you, you um, keep him lurking. I, you keep him lurking because we've got to catch up with you first. Yeah, I hope you had nice things to say. Jessica, it's been a roller oh, coaster yes, 12 months for the whole world, hasn't it? Uh, first yes, things first, it has. how are you going? I'm, you know, I'm doing okay. We are in lockdown here in Toronto still. uh, So that's not great. Although we are in full winter mode uh, with snow on the ground, it's cold. So it's not as bad to be at home. Uh, I'm staring at you guys and your pictures on Instagram. And I know that the weather is quite lovely in Australia right now. So, uh, but you know, things are looking up. Hopefully, you know, spring is coming and things will open up soon and uh, we'll get back to normal as quickly as possible. Now, you're a stylist, of course, a fabulous stylist. But while the world has been at a standstill, you haven't had too many red carpets to get ready for, right? You you must be excited that we're sort of maybe turned a corner and and, and things will be getting back to normal at some point soon. Uh, You know what? It's been a nice break. I do have to say, I don't personally miss a red carpet because I I mean, hopefully you can't see what I'm wearing underneath this, but it's elasticized pants. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, So I don't know how ready I am to actually get into uh, like anything that buttons up or zips up. Um, But I do miss miss dressing uh, wonderful women. Uh, like Mindy, uh, I think it was about a year ago we did the Oscars together, 
and uh, we had such a great time. I think we did four outfits in two days, and it was a lot of pressure, but I love that pressure, and I love making women feel great uh, in their clothing. Uh, working with someone like Mindy uh, has been so um, incredible because she's not only smart and beautiful and talented, but she also takes a little bit of fashion risk, which yeah. I like. Mm. You set your lockdown helping brides to be. This is something that you do to your uh, fabulous stylist to brides. I mean, gee, brides have had it tough during the pandemic. How, how tough planning a yeah. wedding during this time, right? Uh, yeah, you know, usually I get a lot of messages from brides like asking, you know, is this dress something that you would like or is this tablescape something that would look great? Uh, but during the pandemic, I got a lot of messages from brides really um, discouraged. Uh, it's been really tough for them, you know, postponing a wedding, planning something so large, not knowing when you can actually celebrate in the way that you want to celebrate. Um, but I've been personally working with a lot of brides that just don't actually have the option because there's, you know, somebody uh, in their family that's sick or they just can't wait. Um, you know, a year or two years to celebrate in the way that they wanted to. So uh, I've become slightly, uh, you know, an expert in small, intimate weddings. And I have to say, all of the women that I've worked with, all the brides and the grooms, they love the intimate wedding. Mm. They mm. thought they wanted 200 people at their wedding, but having 15 was just perfect for them so intimate and so much cheaper a quick google <laughs> and news so search much cheaper larry <laughs> nice nice a quick google news search of your name and we're inundated with headlines of course many of which are obviously false so how determined are you at this point to take control and and, and write your own narrative you know that's a funny one i mean i'm sure you both have dealt with similar things um in terms of you know the lowbrow media which you know creates false headlines and crazy things and i think that all of us can get used to those things and laugh about them i think the sad thing is is that mainstream media has taken all of those um headlines and have repurposed them and that makes it a lot harder to you know these are media outlets that we've trusted for so long and we've um you know, read and honored, and uh, and now it's just become about clickbait. And so the fact that they're repurposing headlines from such lowbrow media outlets, I think, is is a uh, is a very sad thing, and it becomes much more difficult to uh, tell your own story. So, what you've done, you've started the female empowerment project. Tell us about that and why you felt it was so important to start something like that? Yeah, uh, well, I started a charity 12 years ago called The Shoebox Project. I don't know if you guys know about that. Um, it was, it's a charity that's still going. Uh, and what we do is deliver boxes with uh, small luxuries to uh, women in need in shelters. And uh, what we quickly discovered was it wasn't necessarily about what was in the box. It was the connection between a woman that made the box and the woman in the shelter, making them know that they were not alone, that, that somebody was thinking about them, that someone in their community cared. And that was the most important part was the connection. And so taking that into, um, into the Female Empowerment Project, obviously through this pandemic, 
small businesses have been hurting uh, mm -hmm. tremendously, yeah. but okay. mostly female-owned small businesses have hurt um, uh, more than ever. Yeah. And so what we started to do was uh, I, I, I got three of my girlfriends who happen to be experts in totally different different fields, one in finance, one in manufacturing, one in tech. And we would get onto the phone and do private Zoom calls yeah. with about 13 to 15 different women um, uh, that own small businesses and just help them pivot and Touch. help them get new strategies to uh, to have um, to, to, to just try to like make it during this pandemic. Yeah, such a tremendous project. Now, we heard in the intro your impressive resume, but it's your role as a mother that means the most to you. I think you guys made it look a little bit more impressive than it was, by the <laughs> way. Very impressive. <laughs> Thank you for that. No, it's our pleasure. We hope you like it. Now, we saw those adorable <laughs> photos from the royal wedding, of course. Um, has yes. it been, um, how's it been, been spending more time with the boys at home during the last oh year? Oh my gosh. They are so amazing, those twins. I was actually ready to tell you guys a story about the, the wedding. Yeah, yeah. do you want to hear it? Yes, do yes. Tell, do. Do okay. So I have ident identical twins. So they're naturally magnetized, right? Like they yeah. just do not separate. And during all the rehearsals at the royal wedding, um, they were just messing up. They just couldn't get it right. And it was really scary as a parent <laughs> um they would just you know catch the veil they couldn't do it properly and we were supposed to practice with them at the hotel with a veil and i decided not to do that and what i said to them was you know there's two sides there's two aisles you both look identical you need to do the same show for each side and that's how they separated and were able to manage what they did which i'm still in awe of uh i don't know how they did it um but it wasn't an easy task i'll tell you <laughs> things did not look good leading up to the wedding oh, <laughs> well they pulled it off beautifully almost stole the show and little ivy of course was a flower girl as well speaking of motherhood jess i can't hear you anything must... oh, you can't hear us we're still here we can hear you can you hear us okay Hello? I can't hear anything. Sorry. That's Hi. Ben's helping me. Hi, Ben. Ben's my tech guy. <laughs> Maybe the battery's run out. See. Oh, oh now yeah. I hear you. You got yeah, it? Yeah. Okay. I'm Oh, good yeah, I'm just going to... He's going to come in. Thanks for your tech support. Larry, Would great you... to see you. Kylie, great to see you. Uh, hi. We needed to ask you, though, I... speaking of motherhood, Jessica, you must be so excited for the Duchess of Sussex. Your friend Megan expecting another of baby. Of course, yeah. I mean, listen, I mean, who wouldn't be excited for something like that? They're tremendous parents. And, uh, you know, Archie needs a little play date, like a, a little uh, sister or brother to to uh to work with yeah hey great to see you ben you doing okay you're wearing sweatpants under there as well because what we're getting is this really nice no he's wearing jeans i put jeans on for thanks you for dressing up for today <laughs> ben thanks I for dressing up i got a haircut up. for you yesterday yeah. i even got a haircut just gave me a Jessica haircut did yesterday it. you're a very game husband yes i asked her i asked I her to never do it again i asked her to give me the larry but then oh, she yes. said she was uncomfortable taking so much off the top <laughs> well kylie did this one originally so just get a move on there hey Great to see you guys. Really good to see you. We're right out of time, but we could chat all day. All the best, guys. Thanks Thank for putting you on so your much. thanks for putting on your best sweatpants for us, Jess. We appreciate that. <laughs> fabulous Mulroonies all the way from Toronto this morning. To find out more about the Female Empowerment Project, head across to our website. We'll point you in the right direction.
Well, spanning two decades and broadcasting more than 50 adaptations to 150 countries, the Idol franchise has become one of the most successful entertainment shows in the world. Now, here in Australia, it's turned countless up-and-comers into household names, including the winner from 2005, Kate DeRujo. Kate was destined for success, climbing the charts as a solo artist and touring the country with multi-platinum selling Young Divas. But what came instead was a spectacular fall from grace as a singer publicly battled with her weight, mental health issues and made headlines for all the wrong reasons. Well, the now 35-year-old has been flying under the radar these last few years. Kate's road to redemption is sounding pretty sweet. Sounds great. Looks great too. Kate DeRouge joins us live from Melbourne. Hi, Kate. Morning, guys. How are we? We Hi, are Kate. terrific. How are you, more to the point? I'm really well, thank you. Really well. 16 years since Idol, your win. When, I when you know. see the vision back, do you, do you love watching that back? How does it make you feel? Oh, look, it's a range of emotions watching that back. You know, so many things have happened, good, bad, and otherwise in those in those 16 years. It's... A, it's um, yeah, but it certainly brings a smile to my face, especially that image there, you know. Um, it was a pretty incredible time. <laughs> uh, Kate, the young divas still plagued by feud rumours. Are those stories true or do you only sort of have fond memories of those times? Look, to me, I only have fond memories. Like, it was a crazy time, that's for sure. Um, but at the end of the day, irrespective of what anybody said, like, it gave me the opportunity to tour the country and do incredible things. So, like, I... I mean, it was a, it was an amazing time for me personally. And when you see, look at the girls in there, like such a such such talent in that group, Kate. Like amazing. It was. It was. I mean, we were all four very individual, very talented girls. Um, you know, just all trying to do our thing, and and you know. Yeah, well, I don't know what else to say. I, I, I look back at it with, with happy memories. Kate, okay, in 2015, you had an interview with Kyle and Jackie. You admitted to, and this is a quote, losing the plot after the all-girl oh, yes. group disbanded. Um, how dark did things get for you? Look, um, it's no secret that um, mental health and um, depression and addiction um, and, and all that stuff has been a big part of my story. Um, you know, it's um, it's a pretty big topic and one that I'm really happy to talk about, but potentially a little bit heavy for 9.30 on a Thursday morning. Um, but look, the good news is, is that, you know, I'm I'm nearly three years in recovery now. Um, yeah, it's it, 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 it was a dark time, but um, an incredible learning experience now that I'm, I'm out the other end. So three years sober, three years drug and alcohol free and yeah. finding love, importantly. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, de definitely finding love. You know, I've, I've, um, my life has completely changed in the last three years. Um, it looks very different, and I'm very lucky to have found um, an incredibly supportive partner and man to have in my life. Um, yeah. Okay. Hey, music's still very much a part of your life. Clearly, you've been spotted Absolutely. on Instagram singing with your cousin and doing a few cheeky gigs here and there. Can we expect a new release from Kate DeRouge anytime soon? Uh, look, never say never. Um, you know, I I have learnt one thing in the last three years is that I love music no matter what, um, and I found a whole new love for it, being able to do it um, with a clear mind and, and a clear heart. Um, and you know, if the right opportunity came along, who'd know? But the biggest uh, the biggest focus in my life these days is my happiness and my well-being. 
So what's the what is the main difference, Kate, with the, with you say the music? If you look back on music you may have produced, let's call it four years ago, five years ago, versus what you do now, what's the difference you're seeing in you know in the creative process? In my creative process, yeah, or yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess the creative process for me these days is is that I'm I have the space to be totally free um, of judgment and. Um, it's not for anybody else but myself, um, and that's a really beautiful space to be able to create from. Um, you know, it's it's not for anybody else, so I'm able to be totally honest. Uh, do, do sometimes you wish you weren't so much in the public eye? Uh, clearly, it works from a creative perspective and releasing music and being a performer. But uh, the last couple of years would have been easier for you out of the public eye, probably. Oh, certainly. Like you know, um, those last few th years when things got really dark, it would have been nice for nobody to know my name but that wasn't the situation um you know it, it is what it is and what happened happened but um you know the last three years i've been pretty off the radar and, yeah. and really in my own world and it's it's been a pretty um personal time so it's it's okay and what are you doing with yourself these days kate still producing music we see you still singing i still singing yeah. just just doing life i'm actually studying a cert three in civil construction um what, yeah. what does that mean um, it just means I'm learning to operate big machines and excavators and build stuff and um, get my hands <laughs> dirty. Uh, yeah, really random, but I've really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I, I got out there and did traffic for a while, traffic management, and it's just sort of carried on to to looking at other avenues in the construction well, land, and I love it. Yeah. Kate, okay, where does that end up? Where does that take you? Um, it could take me anywhere, who knows? Um, it just opens up lots and lots of opportunities to work on, you know, big civil sites and, and building, you know, big projects and, yeah. Good stuff. I love it. Yeah. And you can, you can, you can keep the, uh, the crew entertained at Smoko with the... Absolutely. With the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Kate, really lovely to see you uh, looking and sounding so great and really appreciate the catch-up this morning. Thanks, Guiley. Thank you, Great Kate. to see you, Kate. Thanks, Larry. Prince Philip has spent his fifth night in hospital with Prince Charles paying an emotional visit to see the 99-year-old. Yeah, to find out how the rest of the family has responded, uh, Royal Commentator Ange Mollard is uh, here with us. Hi, Ange. Hi. I mean, we saw Prince Charles leaving the hospital. He, they said he appeared teary. He appeared mm. a little upset. This doesn't all go well, does it? What's the latest? Well, look, there's two views on this. One is that he went to see his father. He hasn't seen him since before Christmas. Although it's really interesting because, of course, COVID restrictions in hospitals in the UK at the moment are very tight. So the fact that he's going to see him speaks volumes about, you know, either him wanting to see his father or the gravity of his illness. That said, afterwards, he returned straight to Highgrove. He didn't go to Buckingham Palace. He didn't stay overnight in London. So you have to imagine that actually his father's probably, you know, doing okay and certainly that's the word that we're getting from the palace that they're taking that it's an abundance of caution that he's had his fifth night there but that he walked in and that you know he's in good spirits B because charles would have stayed closer if, if you, there if was anything to okay. be worried about uh, yes. prince harry is reported to be isolating in his la mansion just in mm. case he needs to make that dash back to the uk mm. do we know if he's spoken to the queen at this well point? apparently he has reports out of the uk this morning multiple newspapers are saying that he has in fact picked up the phone to his grandmother mm. to ask about um how prince philip is going of course he would be terrified terribly worried. He's isolating so that he's, he's apparently got a private jet on standby if he needs to go back to the UK. But I mean, this is the time that you'd feel terribly far away, wouldn't you? Yeah, for sure. Oh, mm -hmm. Still on Harry, uh, mm. we saw that announcement over the weekend from mm. the palace officially confirming that they're severing all ties, mm. official mm. ties, patronages taken back. This was like 
wow. They it said was. they were going to review the situation in 12 months, and boy, That's they did. You're right, Kylie. They've moved very quickly. As the mm. Queen has said there, that the, you know, all these um, charitable Commonwealth and military appointments are now re being returned to Her Majesty. And that she basically says that, it, um, that having a life outside the royal family doesn't work with a life of service. Now, Harry and Meghan have responded almost instantly by saying public service is universal. It is seen as so rude to the Queen, so disrespectful. I mean, it's just appalling timing. William has come out and said, well, there's a report in the Times, a very um, reputable newspaper saying that Prince William is shocked and saddened by the disrespect that uh, he's shown to the Queen, particularly at a time when her husband is in hospital. Okay. Now, the timing of this interview mm. with Oprah, it's, uh, it's shocking. There's so much else going on, right? Uh, Prince Philip is unwell. How do you think Harry, and Harry, not so much Meghan, but how mm. do you think Harry would be feeling now? I think they should all those people to answer to and everything's going on back in the UK. That's absolutely right. And making that um, the determination between Meghan and Harry, yeah. Meghan would be fine. Meghan has, you know, she has this history of not having great ties with her family. Harry does. You know, mm -hmm. Harry will be missing his family. He'll be feeling, I would imagine, we can't ever say how someone else might be feeling, but as you go into an interview like this where we have to expect that a woman of Oprah's calibre is going to pull out details from them about how they feel upon leaving the royal family, Harry must be feeling incredibly anxious at this time to be even talking about something like that. When his grandmother, his 94-year-old grandmother, who has given a life of duty, mm. you know, is sitting there next to his wife, who's talking about their sorts of duty and their sorts of service, which are in quite, you know, stark contrast to what the royal family has spent, you know, generations sure. um, uh, doing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, headlines around the world when Meghan announced her second pregnancy on Valentine's Day, mm -hmm. which is happy news. <laughs> it uh, is. No matter what else is going on, it is happy news. Do... There's rumours that she might be having twin girls. <laughs> like, are we, uh, is there any credence to those sort of... I don't think... Look, I think we all love to speculate, don't we? All, we all love to think about twins. And, of course, there have been twins. Princess Mary, of course, um, had twins. Um, but, look, nobody... I don't think any of us but her obstetrician knows. Look, New Ideas reporting that it's twin girls. I don't think we can know that. Of course, we'd love it to be twin girls, wouldn't we? But um, I'm feeling triplets. Are you? In my waters, deep, deep. I, I, I just sense... That it's time. That's, that comes from a man who has two, two children. <laughs> or any mother who's already got a child. If you were to say, oh, no, no, I'm sure lots, some people would say triplets, but if you said triplets to me after my first child, <laughs> I would have yep. been... <gasps> Kick me. Uh, to the most recent uh, royal uh, baby news, uh, Princess Eugenie mm. uh, has revealed the name of her baby for Gorgeous name. I love this name. What do you guys think? August. She's, um, she's called her son August. Um, August? August. In, um, her uh, great-grandfather times five, Prince Victoria's, uh, Queen Victoria's husband, Prince Albert, had that in his name. What's really interesting about this name is that she's included Philip in the name as a tribute to her grandfather who of nice. course turns 100 in June. Prince Andrew doesn't get a mention but in her Instagram story she did say that it was his birthday this weekend so oh, she okay. did make mention of him but how gorgeous I love that name and of course her mother um, uh, Sarah Ferguson gave her the na this very unusual name Eugenie mm. and of course she's given her son um, a fairly unusual name as well but I love it I, I love the fact they look the same the babies they're gorgeous yeah. aren't they see his name's August I think he'll get called Gus of course so he'll get Gus oh, I and, then the royal, and then the royal family will have a Gus and an Archie it's which complete. is <laughs> Very happy about it. Don't you think August oh. will get Gus? I would have gone Augie, but okay, Augie? okay. I think, but I think it's nice. No, I but, think but Gus. Is, is, I think is, Gus. Is, is, but isn't it Gust? <laughs> Gust. 
No, I think, Archie I think and I Gus. Gus. <laughs> I Gusty. think you'll get Gus called Gus. We'll wait and see. We'll wait and see Let's which and they see. call him. We're, Kylie, we're, you're an agenda setter, aren't yes, you? Yes, I am. It may have been pointed out to me by a producer, but that's okay. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you, Anne. They say a light purse is a heavy curse. If you ever daydreamed about supersizing your bank balance with a winning ticket, you're certainly not alone. It's estimated one in six Australians, one in six, bought an entry for last week's $50 million Powerball draw with a lucky Mackay man uh, coming forward just yesterday to claim the top prize. But what are your actual chances of winning the lottery? Are the odds really stacked against us? Or is it a case of you've got to be in it to win it? Well, I'm sure it's that. To break down the stats, we welcome mathematician and numbers nerd Simon Pampin, alive from Melbourne. <laughs> welcome to the show. Nice to see you. Hey. Nice to see you guys too. Thanks for having me on. So we know how this works, right? We pick some numbers, buy a ticket, mm -hmm. fingers crossed, hope for the best. But what's the actual likelihood of taking out a first division prize? Well, uh, as a mathematician, uh, it doesn't look good. But uh, if you want to know, it's, it's 1 in 45,379,620 for the Oz Lotto. And then for the Powerball, it's 1 in 76,676,600. Oh. So, slim. Yeah, th <laughs> but thanks for rounding that up for us anyway. But, but <laughs> not impossible. But, but slim, but yeah, worth but a shot, impossible. right? You, you gotta, let's put it in perspective. You've been uh, checking out some odds for events that are more likely to happen than actually winning the lotto, yeah? Yeah, and it's kind of surprising because, uh, for example, like if you wanted to uh, bet on who's going to be the next president of the United States, Kim Kardashian is one in 81. <laughs> and she actually beats um, Beyonce, who's at one in 151, which I don't necessarily agree with. And then you've got like <laughs> people have worked out like getting a four leaf clother is one in 10,000, which means yeah. the traditional Aussie backyard has got at least 50 of them. Yeah. A supermodel, one in 88,000. I can't claim to understand that at well, all. Dating a supermodel, all right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you could be a supermodel, Larry. Thank you. And uh, one in six hundred sixty-two thousand for Olympic gold. So yeah. So it actually would make more sense if you train to try and get an Olympic gold than trying to win the lotto. How okay, funny. got it. I, I'm not liking my chances in any of this. Actually, <laughs> a man in the U.S. recently won his sixth two hundred and fifty thousand dollar jackpot. So it can happen. Yeah. I mean. Why is this guy winning six lotteries, for heaven's sake? What can we do to increase our chances? Well, um, mathematically, you can't really uh, increase your chances very much. What you can increase is, your, is the amount that you win. So the mathematics says that any seven numbers are going to come up equally as likely. And we can kind of think, oh, we can game the system or we can kind of like see patterns, but that's just the nature of probability. It's just random. But you want to try and get numbers that other people don't pick because if you've got the same numbers as someone else, you have to share the money. And who wants to do that? Oh, what a stupid so, concept. I, I, stupid. We've got to talk... Yes, exactly. We've got to talk... <laughs> just on that point, we've got to talk about the most and least drawn numbers, yeah, because we're better mm. off picking numbers that other people don't pick, but they're numbers sometimes that are least likely to come up, yeah? Yes. So... That's true. There are. This is the nature of probability. Some numbers are actually <laughs> appearing more than others. You're not going to like this, I don't think. But anyways, <laughs> so some numbers are actually kind of hot numbers because they are appearing more often. 
and some are called cold numbers because they're less likely. So you've got like Oslotto, 28, 33. Seven is a, is a hot number, 25, yeah. 2 and 27. So these are the ones um, that come out most often in Oslotto. Okay, we're going yeah, to commit these ones to memory. No, 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 no. not by much. Because if everyone does that, then you'll get less money. You'll Simon. only get 20 million instead of 100 million. Simon, Larry's I, onto it. That's exactly Simon, right. right. So we just go back to that. Simon, I want to ask a question. 25, 27, 28. I would never put those because I, I think they're too close. But, but you shouldn't exactly. put them. These well, are bad I'd numbers. I'd rather win a smaller amount and actually win. No, you wouldn't. Then no, you wouldn't. Not win. Okay. You'd not be happy with your $18.50. Let's have a look at some more numbers. We've got some other numbers here. Yeah, Please let's look at more numbers. numbers. That's better. These so, yeah, numbers. these are the cold numbers. 10, 38, 42, meaning of life. 24, 18, <laughs> 11. So these numbers here have appeared less often. But I do want to reiterate that this is just the nature of probability. It's the nature of randomness. Oh, so, so if we... I see. So, sorry, by doing that, you're distancing yourself from us buying a ticket and saying, we saw the guy on the morning <laughs> show, he said these are the numbers. Is that what we're... Is that <laughs> terms and conditions apply? Well, hey, you, you, do, Simon, you do have to be in it to win it. We need to see the Powerball, because we just saw that oh. like, this is the most drawn numbers in Powerball. <laughs> yeah, so there's seven that, again. Most drawn in Powerball equals the less drawn in um, Oslotto, 11 on this yeah. one. This is interesting. See, it looks 7, 11, 9. Least drawn. Look at 15, that. 15, 34, 13. 13's there, which is unlucky for some. Look at that. 12, 13, 15. Another and common question. And consecutive numbers, yeah. Yeah, another common question is whether you should play the same numbers every week. You know, everyone's birthday in the family, yeah. all that sort of thing. Or do you get that, uh, that uh, automatically generated quick pick thing? Or doing the random numbers. Um, I think psychologically it's good to stick to your numbers <laughs> because... At least that way you feel good about it. But I'm sorry to say, mathematically, any combination of seven numbers, six and one of the Powerball scenario, it's just yeah. all as equally as likely. Well, oh. thank goodness Carly and I are both lining up to represent Australia in Tokyo in pole vaulting. It sounds like <laughs> we've got a much better shot at that. You've got your numbers all in right. the right Hey, good order. to talk to you. That's inter really interesting. Interesting and yet very I'm depressing. So yeah. Thank you, Simon. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Celeste Barber is the Aussie comedian taking on some of the world's biggest stars with her social media send-ups, and we love her for it. Yeah. From supermodel Cindy Crawford's iconic Pepsi commercial <laughs> to Hilaria Baldwin's bathroom booty blaster and her latest celebrity conquest makeup mogul, Kylie Jenner, and her sister, Kendall Jenner. Oh, she's fabulous. The comedy queen also famously raised more than $50 million for the Australian bushfire relief in 2020. Well, now Celeste has a new role and she's putting her best face forward for a new makeup campaign. <laughs> yeah, we sent journalist and fashion editor Melissa Hoyer along to her photo shoot for an exclusive behind-the-scenes look. Celeste Barber's hilarious Instagram versus reality series shot her into the social media stratosphere. Her parodies of celebrities' perfect pics have won over a legion of fans, 7.6 million to be exact. You've had a phenomenal rise, but, you know, you've worked and worked and worked and worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I like to think that I'm a overnight success about... 20 years in the making so I just yeah I, I don't know I can't I'm I knew what I was doing was funny but I didn't think it would blow up the way it has so it's awesome are there a couple that stick out in your mind as the ones that boy I still love that and even you laugh at them yeah usually like as scantily clad as I can be mm. like the less clothes and dancing any yes. form of people dancing I'm like I have to do that 
And physical, like physically maiming myself <laughs> is usually pretty funny. <laughs> I've skinned my knee falling into the beach. A surfboard's cracked me on my nose. Like, I suffer for my art. You do. do not worry. Yeah. You've always got, you know, RP, you've got a hot husband to help yeah. you. Yeah, he's I good. mean, he has developed such a following. Hasn't he? Are you furious? Yes, because he's only got a following because of me and because he's hot. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Like, so, yes, I'm furious, but he's fine. Now Celeste is about to inject some humour into the beauty business as the new face of Emco Beauty. Emco Beauty is awesome for everyday people who who care about how they look but can't afford $11 billion yeah, to yeah. put a face on. And she's in good company. Danny Minogue, Rosie Huntington-Whiteley and Hayley Bieber have all fronted campaigns for the big sister brand, Model Co. How excited are you with, of course, Celeste and her involvement with MK Beauty? We were thrilled to have Celeste on board. As you know, we've had many ambassadors over the years. Um, MK Beauty is a new part of our um, empire. Obviously, we've had Model Co now for 20 years, and with the launch of MK Beauty, it's all about Lux for Less. So I thought to myself, who is the perfect quintessential Australian woman who could align to our brand and how could you go past Celeste Barber? You're the mum of two teenage girls. Are they into makeup? Please tell me they are. Lucy and Emily <laughs> are absolutely into makeup. In fact, I get emails now and text messages, mum, can you bring home this, that and the other? So obviously all their friends are on the internet thinking, yeah. oh God, their mum owns a beauty brand. They must have great parties. They probably, everyone probably goes home with a show bag. Yeah, they do. They? They're always at my knowing house you. knowing me. They're always going home with Model Co and Emco show bags. Um, tell me. May have taken something from set. You have not. I oh, did. I got this. This is my favourite <laughs> stuff. Because everyone keeps this a bit hydro, of hydro glow. Hydro in their hair. Yeah, and I... What? I told you I don't like paying for things. It's free. This is great for your brows. You know, there's security out there. As if you're not going to take stuff. Exactly. I'm taking the entire barrel. But there's security. Mega balm and my favourite... Oh, it's warm. <laughs> I hope there's it's nothing warm. in It's warm. No, this is... Where did you get that from? <laughs> like, what else that... have I got back here? <laughs> you haven't got it. Oh, no, it's all right. That's just my clip-in hair. That's not. just my fake hair. Since her rise to international fame, Celeste has starred on the cover of Vogue and was personally invited to New York Fashion Week by Mr Tom Ford himself. Is there a post that you've looked at and thought, you know what, I wish I didn't do that? Yeah. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> Wait, hang on, should that have been posts? Yeah, there are a few of those where I've gone, oh, wow. And even sometimes when I post stuff, I'm like... Come on, just buy what you're selling, Celeste, body positive, just put it out there, put it out there. But yeah, I can't watch some of them. I, I'm like, wow, mate. But meanwhile, we can just watch them and watch them. I can appreciate that they're funny, but when it's me doing it, mm. um, like my son sometimes like, Mom, is that inappropriate? I'm like, probably, but it's paying the mortgage. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Celeste, love you. Oh, Australia thanks, loves you. Honey, the world nice loves to you. See you. Um, no, they're mine. Okay. Get your own. That Instagram makes me laugh every <laughs> single time you go on. She is uh, simply... True. Fabulous. Uh, yeah. MCO Beauty is available at Woolworths and Big W stores nationally or online at mcobeauty.com.au. Melissa Hoy would have grabbed some stuff on the way. Oh, sure. 100%. We're waiting for 100%. Melissa. We're waiting for our presence. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Well, the Australian Bureau of Statistics has released preliminary figures for retail trade in January, offering a snapshot of the state of the economy during the pandemic. The good news, turnover rose 10.7% compared to January 2020. The food industry led the way as supermarkets recovered from a dip in December, but it wasn't all positive, with clothing, footwear, household goods and department stores all significantly impacted by the three-day lockdown in Brisbane. So we welcome the CEO of the Australian Retailers Association, Paul Zara. Nice to see you again, Paul. We love talking all things shopping with you. Good morning. Let's start with those January figures. 10% rise compared to January last year. We've got to remember January last year was pre-COVID. Mm. So it's, it's, a, it's a stellar performance. Yeah. It doesn't matter which way you look at it. It's an amazing performance and an increase on December, of course. So it's pretty amazing. And um, what it doesn't tell you, though, is, is an uneven performance. We're seeing some winners and some absolute losers through that. So we're just keeping a very close eye out for what's about to happen next. There's a, approximately $5 billion of government stimulus each month that will come out of the economy. So we sort of need to see what that does. Mm. And of course, people can't travel right now. So people are actually spending their money predominantly on their household and on, on their homes, which is what we're seeing. Let's shift our focus to Victoria now. And the recent snap lockdown cost more than a billion dollars, a billion dollars lost in retail. Very concerning if that happened on its own, but that's yeah. at the end of a horror, horror 12 months. Well, this is a really good point, Larry. So for retailers to plan, they don't really know what they're up for as they, as they trade through this year. And of course, it's, it's based on every state premier's decision around putting a lockdown in place. So it was a snap lockdown in Victoria, which caused a lot of anxiety, particularly for small business and particularly for um, uh, travel retail as well. That you know they've, they've got no idea how to plan or where, where to go. So yeah. it's problematic. Okay, let's look at JobKeeper. Mm. So we see homewares company Adairs, their uh, profits jumped 200%. So they're going to pay back their JobKeeper payments. They're not the only ones. We've got Nick Scarly, Domino's Pizza, Toyota. What do we think about this? I mean, there's no legal obligation, is there? No, this just a gesture of goodwill? Absolutely. So there's no legal obligation, but we're seeing retailers demonstrate really good sense of leadership and, and goodwill yeah. and paying it back. So it's, there, it's, it's for every retailer to make that decision. And of course, we think it's appropriate and we're encouraging where, where, where companies can afford to do it, they should be doing it. Yeah, it does send a good message, doesn't it? Does it does send. Uh, not all good news for retailers. H&M are predicted to close like seven stores now. Yeah. Well, what we're seeing through COVID is an acceleration of trends. So physical stores continue to, to shrink and there's this massive trajectory on online trading. So retailers are reassessing each lease and deciding which ones they want to um, go ahead with. So in the great, greater picture, this is great for the customer because they get serviced the way that they want to be serviced and most of me moving to an online um, platform to, to be able to, to actually shop. Is that what H&M is doing, going uh, more absolutely, online? They, absolutely. So we're seeing every retailer has done an amazing job in actually uh, pivoting towards uh, online. We're seeing double-digit growth in the online trading. Okay, let's talk about um, alcohol. Non-alcoholic beer sales doubled in some major liquor chains. Well, <laughs> this is a really interesting trend. So we saw alcohol going uh, plus 27, nearly 30% up through the, most of the pandemic. And of course it makes sense. I reckon sense. that's conservative. Well, it's probably conservative, <laughs> but you know, it's sort of, it's interesting as of course, we were all self-medicating and I mm. guess liquor becomes a really good way to do that. But what we are seeing now as we're moving out of um, lockdown is there's this massive move towards health. So non-alcoholic gum drinks are a really good way to get off the alcohol, I guess. And we're seeing a major trend that has to do with anything from activity or clothing right through to any sort of type of sport. So um, that's a pleasing stat. Uh, retailers attached to the travel sector still taking a massive hit thanks yeah. to these border closures. Well, this is a sector we're really concerned about because we all love to travel, right? And we all love to uh, shop duty-free. So what we're concerned about everyday counts right now, there's been no announcement what's happening with these particular pockets of trade that are not performing. They're up to 90% down, of course. There's mm -hmm. no travel um, uh, available for, for consumers so they can't trade. So we're, we're 
we're seeing that um, a lot of these companies are now paying planning for significant redundancies, and that's important. So if we don't get any message right now from the government mm. around what happens mm. after JobKeeper, we may have a problem. Mm. Just generally, as we say goodbye, but what's the feeling in the, in the retail sector? What it's one Renewed of, optimism? Yeah, or? It, it's almost like a rebirth. That's probably the best way for me to describe it because because um, because of this acceleration of trends, there's a, a renewed um, level of confidence in business and from a consumer point of view. So retailers are quickly investing as much as they could in the digital space mm. to make sure they leverage the new sort of COVID normal. Okay, okay. terrific. Thanks for your time this morning. Good Welcome. to see you as always. Well, over the 13 and a half years of The Morning Show, we've welcomed a lot of singers from TV talent shows, but only a handful have been able to translate that on-screen success into a bona fide career path. And that's exactly what our next guest has done as a teenager on AGT 10 years ago. We watched little Jack Vigeon become an instant superstar. But like all kids, they grow up, don't they? Now the 24-year-old is living his best life and still making music, having just released a brand new single, Prey. Hey, Jack Vidgen, live on the couch. Welcome, mate. Lovely Hi. to see you. Yeah. So hey, good Jack. to see you guys. Uh, first things first, 10 years ago since you won AGT, do you ever, do you ever so think crazy. about that moment or is it just like this long, old, distant, blurry No, memory? all the time. Really? Every day, especially at the moment, being like 10 years, it's just everything feels very full circle and yeah. it's, it's just, no, I think about it every day at the moment. And you think about it with gratitude? Because finding oh. fame at 14... That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely gratitude. And I, I had the... Australia's Got Talent was, like, the best time of my life. It was it was pretty incredible. Um, I think what happens afterwards is, is always up in the air. And you go through things in life, um, especially in those kind of formative years. But the show was... It, I had the best experience ever. Uh, so today's a huge day for you. You've just released your brand-new single, Prey. We saw a clip of it there. Do you still get nervous sort of putting that stuff out now? Or is it like... Totally. Here's another one. Well, I've only released, like, since kind of AGT days, I've only released one song, which was for Eurovision Australia Decides just over a year ago. So this is kind of my second release in like eight years. So nervous, right? Very nervous. <laughs> what's, the, what's the early response been like, Jack? It's been incredible. Yeah. It's been really, really nice, really, really warm. Um, it's very, very different to anything I've done. Um, but no, the response has been so great. Okay. Yeah. And, and the lyrics are important. There's one line in particular. I own my body. Don't you bleeping start me. <laughs> Tell us about that. The bleeping. Bleeping. Well, uh, or we could do the radio version. Um, can you tell us about the lyric and what that means? Uh, it's kind of evolved. It's, I wrote it about two years ago, and it's very deep meaning for me. It's, it's, it's about my relationship I've had with different vices kind of over the last few years. Mm. And um, I wanted to marry that with a dance track because I've kind of lived my life since coming out in, in clubs and in club culture as, as a club kid, and I've found a really beautiful home in that. Um, and so kind of bringing those two together, um, yeah, bringing a heavy meaning with a bit of a dance track. Yes. Got to have a dance track. Got to have a dance yeah. track. Now, this isn't the only way people can hear you sing. You've joined this new app where basically uh, fans can get this sort of personal serenade from you. Yeah, right? yeah, Talk totally. That. How's it work? Well, so basically you go on their web website and you search up my profile and then I can make like a personalised personalized video singing to you. <laughs> oh, oh! I think I'd, I think I'd like that. I'll do yours for free, though. Does, okay, does, does Kylie, does Kylie come, roll off the tongue? Kylie. Oh, I'll, that's good. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you get an actual song on the app. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, you're performing at Mardi Gras. I am. I am. I actually be... have some presents for you guys. Oh, thank I'm, you. I'm performing with Koala. Yes. Mardi Gras. Oh, thank you, my so love. So I've got some little plushies. Thank you. What, what does this mean to you to be, to be performing at 
at Mardi Gras? It means a lot. I've never performed at Mardi Gras before. Yeah. I've never been a part of the parade or marching at all. Yeah. So it's really, really cool. So, and with Koala, like the, the theme at the moment is being comfortable in your own skin. And I think for me, like it's definitely been a journey over the years yeah, to get sure. to that place. And, yeah. it, and it's still a journey. Um, but it's special to be a part of a message like that and, and be a part of Mardi Gras. Good stuff. Hey, listen, great to see you this morning. Thank you for coming in. You Thank look you. you look bright and, and strong and Thank all things you. going good. Kylie gets a song and a koala. We love people who <laughs> Day bring mate. gifts. Day mate. Day mate. Jack you. Vision's new single is called Pray. It is available right now. You can catch him performing at the Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras. That is on the 6th of March. Well, it's a really elite club when you can just use your like your first name and your surname initial. It doesn't work for Kylie G, Larry E doesn't work. But there Larry. Are, Larry. Larry. <laughs> yes, no, that's why it doesn't work. But there are a few who can do this whole thing. Cardi B, Mel B, Kim K, and of course, Sally O. Sally O. Sally Obermeet is a TV presenter, best-selling author and morning show fave. But after one of the most unusual years of her life, the star is still putting her best foot forward with plenty of new projects on the go. Hello, Sally O. Sally <laughs> Obermeet. Hello, guys. It's nice so to be back. Nice to have you. Nice to here. see you. Um, last year, full of highs and lows. Yes. Let's Definitely. Focus. Good news. How's it, how's it all going? This year is good. I think it took me a bit of time to recover. I think whenever you go through a big change, you need a bit of time to kind of, I guess, catch up and kind of catch my breath and and kind of find my, find my footing again. But, yeah, this year is great. This year it's like, okay, this is what I do now. I've got a business, which I've had for a while. This is what I focus on. Obviously, I've got the girls. So, yeah. I feel better. Not only a business with a bit of focus, Mark Burris, business guru before was on the couch and he mentioned in the commercial break as someone who's incredibly passionate and obsessed with their business and has done everything right. That's, so, wow. So, so, that, wow. So, so we know you're just not a, you know, a TV person dabbling on the side. This is something you've really worked hard at and building incredibly well. That's very, I love Mark, that's a huge compliment coming from him. Yeah, it's been a long time. We've had the business for eight years now mm. and it has taken like any small business, you work, you know, your guts out to keep it on its feet and every time you hire a new person you do everything you can to keep them and all that kind of stuff there's a lot of stress that comes with it but the joy that comes with it is also massive because to see people have your products and feel better and and feel like you know I guess to see change that is something that really yeah. touches our heart. You know? Yeah, and this is the new space, which is just awesome. Um, this has got a kitchen in it, this new this space, as part of your <laughs> headquarters. So any new cookbooks on the right? Here's the kitchen here. Here's any the kitchen new, being built. Yeah, yes. any new cookbooks sell? Because your recipes are amazing. So easy and so tasty. I do love a cook. You know, like we've done, I think, five cookbooks now. There's definitely something swirling around in my mind. I don't what, what cookbook would, would you guys buy? I'd like oh, to buy. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to buy Sal's uh, burger burger book. Yeah. And burger. Burgers Just, and buffalo wings. Burgers and buffalo wings done right. Yeah. <laughs> with, with, with a kale chip, maybe. Would you do that? Coming, for me? coming soon to you. Yeah. <laughs> now on the family front, your youngest gorgeous, gorgeous Alyssa has just started school, she right? Has she started school I can't believe it so she's in prep so she's four years old and I think when you've got the second one look at her there <laughs> the bag is like bigger than her and there's nothing in it except her lunchbox um, so yeah she was so keen to go to school I think seeing Annabelle already there she was desperate to go so it's been nice as well for me I think to have this time to get her settled in and for me to adjust to her going you know yeah. I was certainly more emotional than I thought I would be but it's been nice to see her 
Oh, you're a softy. <laughs> you're yeah, a softy. You know I'm a softy, yeah. Thriving at school, which is good. Yeah. And speaking of thriving, uh, you're an auntie now. Oh. Uh, uh, Maha had beautiful little Joshua. Yes. How good gorgeous. is it when you have a nephew or a niece and it's like that urge that I had to have a baby is now resolved. But Maha very kindly <laughs> had that baby uh, for me. And so it's great. It's like all the upside, all the sniffing and the cuddling and all the hugs. But I'm not tired. <laughs> Isn't that, and of course, Maha being your sister, but also your business partner yes. as well. So you guys have this incredible sister act, which is, which do, is beautiful to see. We do have a nice relationship. Mm. I think it's really important. It's been nice, I think, for me also to make sure that she's got some time away from the business. She'll, she'll be watching this as she's typing on her laptop going, what do you mean, more time away? I'm working. You <laughs> left me tasks yeah, to do something. Right. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's got this time with Joshua, which is so nice because, you know, I think she has been wanting to have a baby for so long and he was so hard fought for so it's so special so it's nice. how's the year ahead look what's going on it looks busy it looks yeah. very busy um, on the business front with a lot of product expansion which we're really excited about but also I've left myself enough kind of empty space just to see what comes up and I think that's important I haven't kind of jammed it full and assumed anything it's like I've left it open to see what goes on that's what I do between 9 and 11 30 every day <laughs> I just leave it I just leave an empty space and go what's going to happen now wide open wide open and it takes me just see what goes um, next thing you know you'll be hosting a game show Sally if you if you adopt that attitude so maybe there's something in it just, just leave wait it open. And see. Yeah, wait and see. You never know. Thank you, Sal. It's beautiful to see you. Nice Burgers to see you. Burgers and wings. <laughs> Burgers and wings and cow chips. Great to see you, Sal. Nice well, heart disease is still the single biggest cause of deaths in Australia. Every day, 170 people have a heart attack. That's equal to one every 10 minutes. With one in 20 Aussies currently affected by heart disease, knowing what to do in an emergency can be a matter of life and death. So what are the warning signs you need to watch out for and what are the dangerous mistakes you could be making? CEO of Heart Research Australia, Nikki Dent, joins us live in the studio. Hi, Nikki. Great to see you. Thanks for uh, having me on. Knowing how to survive a heart attack, it's vital in any sort of emergency situation. You say there are two dangerous mistakes that people could be making. Yeah, the, the first is that um, mistake people make is people often thinking that the signs and symptoms are the same for everybody. Um, and the second mistake I see people making is dismissing the symptoms and thinking they'll just go away. Mm. And sadly, that results in people not acting quickly enough. Yeah. Um, obviously, we uh, if if we think you're having a heart attack, the best course of action is to dial triple zero um, because ambulance help workers can. Uh, help straight away and, and the triple zero can give you advice over the phone. They might tell you, for instance, to take aspirin if you can take aspirin, if you're not allergic to it. Mm -hmm. and, and then when the ambulance is there, they can um, take your numbers, uh, put that information over to the hospital so the hospital can be ready, a team waiting for you when you come in, just okay. to speed it all up. There are many different symptoms to look out for. What are some of the, the, the warning signs that we'll get first? Yeah, the, the warning signs, I mean, many people think um, it's just like in the movies, you get that sudden chest pain and you fall to the ground. And if uh, all heart attacks were like that, it'd be very easy to know when to go to hospital. Uh, but in reality, whilst chest pain is the leading symptom, there are other symptoms. Mm. Um, and they can be, as well as the chest pain, the pain in the jaw, neck, shoulders or arms, um, indigestion or suddenly feeling... Uh, dizzy or lightheaded, um, it's, it's a whole range of symptoms and as part of our red 
Feb event uh, this month, we've uh, you can have a free pocket guide which shows the signs and symptoms of a heart attack mm. uh, and it tells you what you can do because sometimes it's difficult to remember all those symptoms. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Now, women tend to experience some of these symptoms maybe a little bit differently to men. Is that mm. right? Yeah, that's right. The um, women's uh, symptoms, I mean, the leading symptom is still that chest pain, mm -hmm. but they can also be much more likely to experience pain in the jaw, neck, uh, shoulder and arm and, and pain in the back and the vomiting uh, and nausea. So those are the sorts of things to look out for. Okay. Well, what should we do if we think someone is having a heart attack? We're, we're standing by, we're there. Yeah, so um, the best thing that you can do is call triple zero sure. uh, and, and get the ambulance there. I do see people making mistakes about driving themselves to hospital uh, or even somebody else driving them to hospital. So. Um, if you're driving yourself to hospital, obviously you could have an accident if you could mm. black out. And if someone is driving you to hospital, they may need to perform CPR on you. So you're much better dialing triple zero uh, if you're there with someone keeping them calm uh, until the ambulance comes. Okay. So prevention is the best medicine when it comes to heart health though, isn't it? It can be overwhelming to know where to start. What's some good tips for us to like just be, you know, have a healthy heart. Yeah, well, at Heart Research Australia, we try to keep it simple by um, uh, recommending the four M's approach. Um, and the, the first M stands for move, keep moving at any age and any level of fitness. Uh, the second M stands for meals. So uh, be in Watch them. Well, watch, watch your meals. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, think about what your, your meals are. <laughs> eat intelligently, know what you're eating, um, and also watch your portion size. Mm. Uh, and the third M is for measurement. So know your numbers, your weight, your blood pressure, your cholesterol. Yeah. And my recommendation is if you're going to the doctors, just make a note of what those numbers are. So mm. if they're changing, you can early on intervene and, and do something about that. And mental health is the last one. It's a, it's a huge one this year, on the back of last year particularly, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, lots of studies have shown that the, your mental health can protect you mm. uh, as well as damage your heart health. So our recommendation is find any way to stay optimistic. Okay. Now this month, Heart Research Australia is urging people to take part in Red Feb. Uh, how do we get involved? So uh, Heart Research Australia funds uh, treat, uh, research into the prevention, diagnosis and treatment of heart disease. Uh, and all this month we've got our Red Fib event where we're inviting people to wear red uh, for someone close to your heart. So uh, whether that's yourself, uh, a family member or loved one. Uh, and we've got uh, a whole range of things happening. Uh, some people uh, uh, having red perms and uh, uh, and some runs and some walks and, and cycle rides. Great stuff. Lots of great yeah. things happening. We'll okay. make sure we put all the info on our website yeah. as well. And to find out more and how you can support Red Feb and Heart Research Australia, you can head across to our website. And you've worn your red today. I've worn my red today. Yeah, I was going to dye my matching. hair red, but uh, couldn't help, unfortunately. <laughs> Good stuff. Thank you very much. It's the multi-million dollar stage show that was dramatically shut down when COVID-19 struck last year. But after a 49-week hiatus, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child is officially back. The world-class production has been given the all-clear to lift the curtain, with the cast returning to the stage for the first time last night. So how has the award-winning play changed in this brave new world? Deborah Lawrence is just one of the cast returning to spread a little magic in Melbourne. <laughs> Deborah's with us now. You're back. 
uh, almost a full year that the show was put on hold. How hard was that, not knowing what was going to happen, Deborah? Yeah, well, yeah, 345 days, so it's not surprising that we all counted it. Uh, well, when we first were um, put on hiatus, it was a month. Uh, and then all the, you know, the tickets were pushed back and people were very uh, understanding. And then it was a couple of months and then we finally had big lockdown. And um, then it was, uh, we didn't know. But the producers did an amazing, um, with amazing effort, Michael Castle Group, uh, negotiating with the state government and working it out uh, as to how to get audiences back. And there's a, a COVID safe document that's been drafted by Mariner Group and Michael Castle uh, to make sure that everybody uh, backstage, on stage and in the auditorium are really, really safe. So, yeah, yeah it's lovely. Lovely Good to be back. Hey, Deb, some productions like uh, Frozen and Shrek managed to open in Sydney and Brizzy late last year. You guys, the cast and crew there in Melbourne, must have been champing at the bit to get back on stage. <laughs> yeah, we were. And I come from a ways also uh, reopened around the corner as well. Um, but ours is a really big production. So there's a 70 people um, backstage plus the cast and there's the front of house crew. So uh, it was a big consideration and a, a logistical effort to get all of those people working safely back in the theatre. So it's, it's um, yeah, a bit bigger than the others in some ways, I think. So yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, but we're finally there. We're back. We're back. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So putting you know, backstage to one side, as an audience member, what am, is there going to be anything different or are we going to see the magic just as it was before COVID? Oh, yeah. Look, there's everything. The show is so tight, like it's choreographed within an inch of its life uh, for five hours that it's on, the two part, part one and part two. And the only difference is that you'll have a mask on your face. Uh, and that's, that really is the only difference. Everything else is exactly the same. And the, the magic is still extraordinary. We can still hear people gasping. We can hear people crying. We can hear people laughing themselves sick. So it's just that you have to sit there with a mask on Terrific. Um, for, that, for that period of time. So. Hey, so listen, one of your characters is in the role uh, made famous by Dame Maggie Smith in the films. <laughs> so how different would you say is your Professor McGonagall to hers? Well, um, I'm younger than Maggie <laughs> yes. Smith, yes, and, um, but uh, she's got a steam Scottish accent. She still says Porter, Mr. Porter. Um, but look, it's, it's a, an archetypal character that was created by J.K. Rowling. So I'm playing Minerva McGonagall and, um, and Maggie, there she is on screen, being very fine. <laughs> um, and look, I'm wearing green as well. Um, but yeah, so uh, I mean, I'm... Uh, you just play Minerva and everybody knows who she is. In fact, I've, when we could speak to the audience after the show in 2019, um, people would say, oh, you were just like Maggie Smith. And I, I think I took that as a compliment. Yeah. Oh, well, you <laughs> yes. should. The, the Cursed Child is, is the eighth story in the Harry Potter series. A very different experience to the movies. What can you tell us about the show as far as the, the Harry Potter storyline goes? What's lovely about this is that uh, apparently J.K. Rowling was, has been approached by lots of people wanting to do musicals and all sorts of things and please, you know, write the eighth book, write the eighth movie, etc. Uh, and then Sonia Friedman, the lovely, amazing British producer, 
uh, went to her with an idea about the, the two boys, Draco Malfoy's son and Harry's son, uh, meeting each other on Hogwarts Express on the way to first year Hogwarts. Uh, and because they, they were both raised by damaged dads, like who'd been through the Wizarding Wars and all that darkness. So it was a re it's a really interesting story. So then they meet on Hogwarts Express and end up going on incredible adventures for five and a half hours. Uh, so it's a really good story. So anybody who knows anything about Harry Potter, uh, all of the references to all of the characters and all of the little scenarios are in there. And even if you haven't seen or you haven't read a book, it's still mm. entertaining. And I mean, it, the, the magic itself is gobsmacking You're enough right. to, keep you, mm. to keep you occupied. So, well, Deb, this yeah. is great news for you and the rest of the cast, all the crew, and of course uh, the fans who will be busting to get yeah. back and see that. You're back well and truly. Good to yeah. see you. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Okay. Back, back to part two tonight. Thank you, Deb. Okay. Tickets for Harry Potter and the Cursed Child at Melbourne's Princess Theatre are available right now. We'll put all the links over on themorningshow.com.au. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Well, he's a self-made millionaire and uber-successful businessman. Mark Boris knows what it takes to get ahead and turn times of change into moments of opportunity. But he's not keeping his secrets to himself. The money mentor is also committed to helping others financially prosper despite the odds. And in his new book, Rise, Mark details how to tackle the hard times and reset your goals even in the face of a global downturn. Mark Burris joins us live. Hello, nice to see you. Good morning, Kylie. Good, Good morning. A lot Good of morning, millionaires Larry. would be very protective of their secrets, their business secrets. You want to you wanna share? Yeah, I mean, like, what else you do when you get to a certain age? You just pay forward for me. I mean, I've been lucky in my life. I've been, let's call it mentored, or I've had experiences with some of the greatest businessmen this country has ever produced. Um, I don't know why that happened to me, but I just feel like I've got to pay back. Okay. Everyone wants to know the one magic thing that will make them money. Like, everyone wants to know that. Is there such a thing, or is it a, is it a puzzle of a million different things? Well, it's like trying to get fit. There's no such thing as a magic bullet. I mean, there's a whole lot of commitments you've got to make. So I would probably say first and foremost is just effort. It's, it's about continual efforts and lots of them and for a long period of time. So that requires you to be patient um, and don't expect things to fall in your lap straight away. So effort and patience are probably two of the big secrets that um, most successful businessmen will tell you have helped them get to where they got to. Let's talk about your book. It's called Rise, so equal parts educational and personal story as well. What are we going to learn about Mark Boris in this book, Rise? Uh, well, one of the assumptions for people like me is that, oh, wow, he's made all his money and he's, you know, he lives this great life. You said uber successful. Um, I would never use that word about myself. But one of the things you're going to learn about is I make lots of mistakes, and all people like me make lots of mistakes. But it's about our ability to recover and what do we do about our mistakes. Mm -hmm. So I read a really interesting book recently by a guy who, his name is John Cavanaugh, and he's actually the uh, trainer for Conor McGregor, and he wrote a book called Win and Learn. Win, sorry, Win or Learn. And that's, a, that's really hit home to me. It's about trying your best and winning all the time. But if you don't win, you don't think about it as a loss, you can try and learn from it. Yeah. So 
for me, one of the things that good businessmen do, they make lots of mistakes, but they learn from those mistakes and then they try and work out a strategy around it. A lot of small businesses, a lot of businesses, all businesses around the world looking back at the last year going, we've really got kicked in the guts here, right? So you see the global, a current global disruption as a bit of a reset of sorts, don't you? I do. And, it, and that reset, it's funny because in my business, Yellow Big one of the resets that I did at the beginning of the year, apart from writing this book, beginning of last year, beginning of the COVID period, is I sat down and I worked out, well, what expenses can I save? So I reset my business in terms of the size of my premises, um, you know, which have now been reduced to half, um, which is a cost that I save. I've reset my business in terms of the number of people in my organisation and the productivity of those number of people. I've reset my business in terms of who works from home and who doesn't work from home. Um, and as a result of that, I was able to put myself in a position that I saved a lot of cash. Now, my revenues were sort of, they were rising slightly, but I saved a lot of cash. Now, that reset will allow me to take advantage of, say, the mortgage market for 2021, which is now on fire. Mm. Now, I never knew that was going to happen. And to be frank with you, I thought we were going to be in terrible straits with mm. COVID. Mm. But one year later, here we are, 30-odd days in New South Wales, no community cases. We're rolling our vaccines, et cetera, left, right and centre. So... And the property market has just taken off. It's out of control. And the mortgage market goes with that. Mm -hmm. So I reset my business in the right way. And I think most business guys that I and girls out there who have done well in the last 12 months have done exactly that. They've reset their position around costs, around efficiencies, around productivity, around mm. premises and those sorts of things. Uh, in the book, you tell us we need to play to our strengths. You ask, are you a cutter or a sower? Mm. So what do you mean by that? Well, some people cut, some people sew. So I'm what they call a cutter. So uh, some people call it big thinker. I'm not, I don't want to say I'm a big thinker. I'm, I'm always planning and thinking and conjuring mm -hmm. things. Cutting the pattern. Like, yeah, correct. Yeah. Just like a suit. You yeah. cut it, you can cut it. It looks, looks like it looks right. Mm. It's proportion, but it's about the material and the, the sense of the style and design. But then you've got to get someone who sews it. And it doesn't stick together. It doesn't have any longevity unless you've got someone to sew. So in business, you need to have a cutter and a sewer. All my businesses, I have people who sew behind me. Some people, they say that they're sweeping up the mess. <laughs> but it is sewing behind me. You need to be... And work out which one you are. It's very hard to be both. Okay. Now, people might have this image of you, this was sort of 110% focused, up at 4.30 in the morning, boxing away, and then straight to business and meetings back to back on 24-7, 365 days a year. Is there a time where you actually switch off? Um, um, and I make myself switch off, yes. Um, it's not a natural thing. I don't sort of, like, ever ready battery run out. I, am, <laughs> I, don't ha I will not apologise for being obsessive in the way I do things. Mm -hmm. And I think... Business people should not be embarrassed about saying they're obsessed with their business as long as it's a good idea and a right idea, you know, has a good intention. I don't think you should be worried about being obsessed, but you need to step back from yourself, so to speak, and have a look where you are and say, OK, I need, uh, I need a day off or I need to go, you know, in my case, I'm lucky I can go to my farm or I need to spend some time with my grandson or my family. I mean, those types of things. You need to actually interject in your process, in your obsession. So control your obsession. Nothing wrong with being obsessed as long as you recognise it, you accept it, and, and you control it. Yeah. All right. uh, good to talk to you as always, Mark. Same here. Thanks for coming in. Uh, for Mark's new book is called Rise, full of fascinating stories and great advice. It is out now. That was just his COVID project. Just, just a little something he knocked A little hustle up. on the yeah. side. <laughs> Thanks, right. Mark. Jenny Rivett's career in the gym has seen her work out with some very impressive clients, from making Liz Hurley do lunges to spending seven years helping Princess Diana perfect her form. Training the royal in the years following her very public separation from Prince Charles, 
The two became close friends and confidants. Now the fitness guru is looking back at her time with the People's Princess and inspiring women to get fit, firm and fabulous at every age. And Jenny Rivett joins us live from London this morning. Welcome, Jenny. Hi, thank you so much. Lovely to be on your show. It's lovely. It's 11 o'clock at night. It's lovely to see you. Uh, first, it is important to acknowledge that before Princess Diana passed away, uh, you say she specifically gave you her blessing to speak about your time training together. I know that's important for you to say that. What were her original reasons for wanting a personal trainer? Well, I think in the 90s, our personal training was a very new concept. And um, she liked the idea of, of having someone come up to Kensington Palace to train her if uh, you know, if she was busy and she had an engagement to go to, then the idea really appealed to her to have somebody to come up to the palace. Um, and she also mentioned that she was intrigued to me because she had heard about me at three different dinner parties. Oh, OK. Now, you ended up working with her for like seven years, right? Uh, some people hate training with their PT. Others really love it. How was Diana as a client? She was absolutely amazing. She was completely and utterly committed to her training, and I really think she missed a session. Um, she was great fun. We, we had a good laugh when we trained together. And, um, you know, I think she loved her training. She honestly did, and I think that's because the results we got from her training were just phenomenal, as you can see. Um, and that motivated her to want to continue training she learned so much from me about, you know, correct form and exercise technique. And often when we were in the gym together, she would see somebody doing something bad and she would say, Jenny, you need to go over and correct that person, mm -hmm. you know, which, of course, I would never do. <laughs> you formed a very tight bond over the years, but you weren't always aware of royal protocol, you say. That's right. Um, I... I didn't realize that I was supposed to curtsy for, to her. And for four years, um, I never curtsied. And one day we were walking in Kensington Gardens and, and her best friend, who I also used to train, walked in the opposite direction and curtsied to the princess. And I was totally taken aback. So the next time I saw my client, I asked her, why, why did you curtsy to your best friend? And she said, well, Jenny, it's, it's, it's protocol. You're not curtsying to the princess, you're curtsying to the crown. So I was mortified. So the next time I saw Princess Di, I said, look, I'm really sorry. We're going to spend this whole entire lesson curtsying because I owe you four <laughs> years of And she just basically said, Jenny, you know what? Please don't worry. You're a South African and um, that's why I love you because you just wouldn't have known any difference and please don't ever curtsy to me. <laughs> <laughs> so what exercises did Diana enjoy most? Was she, did she enjoy the flexibility because she had that old, ballet background and dance background or did she enjoy cardio so she, she, what, what can we do so she she loved to get a sweat on so i did this little uh, low impact hit cardio that i used to do with her and of course she had those lean long legs and we just worked on making those even better than they were um, and she also loved, um, so she loved all the leg routines that we did, you know, the lunges and the squats and uh, deep intensive lying down exercises for the glutes and the legs. But she also loved um, her arms to be toned and she used to love how they looked in evening gowns. So we worked hard on getting her arms toned, but not bulked up. And yes, she was incredibly flexible and she, she, she was very proud of that.
Okay. Now, you're a pioneer in the fitness industry for many years now, but you have a big focus on women over 40. Why is that such a passion for you? I think in one word, results. Um, the feedback that I've got from, from hundreds of women around the globe that I treat, train have just been phenomenal. And so what I've done is, I mean, that's my passion. So what I've done is I've blended my experience with new research and science to come up with my train like a woman formula. And it's just been such a success. It works. It helps women over 40 to balance their hormones, stabilize their blood sugar levels, and just to feel awesome. So it really has been a winner for me. And I want every woman over 40 to know that age is absolutely no barrier to, when it comes to exercise. Indeed, because we know you train a number of celebrities like Liz Hurley and Lorraine Kelly, who's on TV over there in, in the States, in, the, uh, in London. You were already teaching fitness classes before COVID, virtually, but, but now you've expanded your classes since lockdown? Yes, um, you know, lockdown has actually been phenomenal for my business and um, it's been such a blessing um, for me to, to go online and literally jump out of bed and have hundreds of women from around the globe um, working out with me and um, because I'm so passionate about sharing that knowledge um, and literally every day I get requests for, for new members to join my classes. So it's it's been a great success and I think it's wonderful for so many women who have been intimidated by gyms. They don't necessarily want to go and, you know, train in a gym and the online training has been great and I found that to be the case with my training. So it's, it's just... Uh, well, Jenny, uh, great to talk to you this morning and thank you for staying up so late. Well, at like 11 o'clock at night there. We do appreciate that. Good to, good to chat. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. According to our last welfare report, 51% of Australians felt lonely at least one day every week. And since the pandemic, one in two Aussies are feeling even more lonely than before. With isolation linked to poor physical and mental health, those are some worrying statistics, aren't they? But what are the real reasons for our loneliness and how do we stop being strangers and become more connected to the world around us? And the author of When We Become Strangers, Maggie Hamilton, joins us live on the couch. Welcome. Lovely to see you, Maggie. Thank you. Sometimes we think of loneliness as just being alone, but you say there are actually a few different ways that we can feel lonely, that that affects us. Absolutely. I mean, I think we tend to think it's kind of crying alone in your bedroom, but it's often a feeling of feeling adrift and that it's nobody you have a meaningful connection who really sees you. So we can be lonely towards others, but we can also be lonely towards who we are really if we are so caught up with trying to please and compete and doing what other people yeah. want. And thirdly, we're sensory beings. We need touch, taste, etc. And that's what helps bring us alive. And if we don't have that aliveness, which we get if we go for a walk in the park, we can start to feel really alienated. Mm. Talk about the iGen. This is people under 25. Yeah. They're the most vulnerable when it comes to loneliness. I'm yeah. surprised by that because you think of young people as having lots of friends and always going out and doing things. Absolutely. And this was a surprise to me too. But what's happened is we've got a whole generation of kids who spent so much time in their bedrooms on their devices. They don't have those face-to-face -face skills. So they get out into the workplace, into dating, etc. 
and they find it really hard to connect. And so there's that sense again of feeling like you're on a different page. And a lot of parents struggling to connect or reconnect with their kids because yeah. of these devices. What are some ways we can help connect better with our kids? Yeah, well, what I've found is that actually kids need more holding and touching. So, you know, if you're watching telly together, huddle up close, story times, um, you know, sharing family stories. Kids need to know where they come from and we tend to stop talking about that. And also to really encourage our children um, to connect with community. So they need to see us connecting and making their own little connections so they can do it when they grow up. So yeah, it's really important. They can only do what they see, right? Absolutely. Uh, you say that mums and dads overshare about their kids online. It might be a warning sign that parents are lonely. Yeah, now this is a bit of a surprise perhaps, but the fact is that if we're, we're sharing everything online about what we're doing at any moment of the day, again, that is time not spent connecting in the real world. And one of the great tips is not just to get out there and be with your generation, but actually to have friendships across the generation because parenting is very intense. And if you're around other parents all the time, it can feel like it's all a big drama. Mm. Different That's generational cool. friendships kind of takes the pressure off. Yeah. Okay, now it's we all love nice. a good TV binge, particularly we over do. the last year. <laughs> we but do. but you, you tell us that, that watching too much reality TV can have a high impact on loneliness. Yeah, now this is an interesting one. And one of the key things is that we start to get very judgmental. She's a winner, he's a loser. And if we're not careful, this can really tip over into everyday life. And so we actually are, you know, kind of writing people off. And let's face it, we're all good at some things. and hopeless at others and if you go a bit further into a friendship with a likely friendship instead of writing people off suddenly you find you've got this really interesting person in your life yeah mm. I never thought of it that mm. way it's really interesting you've got some tips for us people might be sitting at home suddenly going I can relate to that yes that sounds like me you've got some tips for us Maggie yeah well I think I think the thing is uh, one is the whole thing of getting out into nature so that you're actually uh, your senses are there. Be aware of your moods. Get out and explore. Become curious about life. Eating together is really, really important because it's the joy of shared time together as is embracing your passions. I love that last one. Practice enoughness. That's, yeah. that's basically gratitude. Is that what you're saying? It is. And, you know, we are in a very competitive culture. And just as step back for a minute and say, actually, do I feel I have enough in this area of my life for now? Doesn't mean it had to be for all time. And if and, and actually stay with the joy of that moment or that period in your life rather than racing on to the next thing and the next. Mm. Alright, terrific. Maggie, thanks for your time this morning. Great. Really pleasure. important information. It's Maggie Hamilton's stuff. new book, When We Become Strangers, is out now. Well, you'd think all singing, all dancing families only exist on the screen. The Partridge family set the 70s alight. The Von Trapps taught us Do Re Mi. Even the Brady Bunch gave group singing a go. But today, in 2021, it's the Sharp family carrying on the tradition in real life. Who loves you pretty, baby? Who's gonna help you through the night? Who loves you pretty, mama? Former Broadway stars Ron and Barbara Sharp lead this fine-tuned family with kids Samantha, Logan, Aiden, and Connor all sharing their talents on TikTok, scoring over 98 million likes. 
Let's throw in a boyfriend, a best friend, and a chihuahua, and you got yourself one all-star singing family. And the entire Sharp family join us right now, fresh from the merchandise store, to get their new hoodies from Orlando, Florida. Hi, guys. Hey, Ron, you can all sing. This is terrific for us to watch and listen to. Let's go back to where it all began. Where did you and Bob meet? Well, Barbara and I met on the Broadway stage of Les Miserables. Uh, I was playing Marius. She's playing Cosette. We got married on stage a thousand times, and then we really got married. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest is history. Barbara, the, kid, the kids, it was the kids that convinced you all to start on TikTok. Um, there are some family meetings to plan videos. Is that right? What, what do these meetings look like? Yeah, well, and we do, every Sunday we get together and we have meetings about what we want to do. And we do about four TikToks a yeah. week. Yeah, and then we kind of argue over who gets their TikTok done that week. <laughs> um, <laughs> Usually they... <laughs> hey, Logan, you led the idea to join TikTok in the first place, right? Now, in the meetings, does Dad ever show his age when he makes a song request or do you, do you let him know it's trending? All the time. All the time. I'm the police of telling him when, you know, he's a little too old <laughs> It's a mid-century, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but yeah, 100%. I'm the low man on the totem pole with the TikToks. With our concerts, I'm the high man. But here I just show up and act. Yep. And sing. Right. Uh, Samantha, the TikToks have opened you all up to new opportunities. Now, we heard you got the call to be on American Idol. Is that right? Yes, I did. I was so excited. It never would have happened if it wasn't for the whole family. They loved all of us, and then they wanted me in particular, and it was, it's a dream come true. I'm so excited. Wow. It's this weekend. Oh, okay. This Sunday, and the whole family sings for the judges. You'll yes. see. Yeah, everybody. Oh, that looks great. Hey, Aiden and Connor, you two steal the show in many of the videos. Uh, what are the best things about singing with your family? Because a lot of young guys wouldn't like to sing with their families. <laughs> Well, every time we do TikToks, and sometimes we mess up and everybody just laughs, and we always say, oh, yeah. <laughs> bloopers. bloopers. Bloopers are fun. <laughs> <laughs> we were in the swimming pool one day. They had a couple girls that said, I think I know who they are, and they wanted me to go talk to them to see if they knew them from TikTok. So it's worked out really well. Because every time I went next to them, they, always, they just screamed. Like, the worst liars I've ever spent. <laughs> <laughs> So we, what we wanted to do, we wanted to play another clip that you posted on your TikTok. It's called Normal Families versus Singing Families. Let's have a look. Dinner's ready. Who's hungry? Me. Okay, so I'm guessing that maybe isn't real, but are your road trips just off the charts? Because does everyone try and, like, sing along with the radio or what happens? It's non-stop singing. You'll have headaches the whole car ride. Any, any friends I bring are like this the whole time. We just sing the whole car ride. And we're all very loud, so we can't complain about one person. Our the whole family is loud. Our TikToks are real life for us. <laughs> So if you have a friend, uh, kids, if you have a friend who comes around and they can't sing, you probably have to drop them as friends, right? You cannot have friends who can't sing. <laughs> they become like, the cameraman. And the I line like... every person up in my neighborhood and I pick who can sing and who cannot. Because, <laughs> <laughs> well, Ron and Barbara, I was going to say that how fortunate you are Broadway stars, but you've had four children that can sing. There isn't, like, another child in the basement somewhere, the non-singing one is there. Huh. 
That's always the joke. That's always the joke. Yeah, the there is a keep one in the closet and then they can only videotape it. Okay? <laughs> and when people don't like it, they say Chewie was the best singer, our dog. And, uh, he doesn't hey, Ron, you guys uh, really are going global right now. You've got this uh, podcast thing going on. Uh, congratulations on that. Is there anything the Sharps can't do? You guys are just taking over the world. Well, you know, actually, they're doing a special play for folks down in Australia tomorrow at one o'clock. They're going to play our episode yes. one o'clock in the afternoon. Build a Bear Radio. Build a Bear Radio on Sirius iHeart. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's been great. You know, American Idol's good. We've been working with the group for a reality show. Um, you know, when I watch the, the clips you played of the Partridge family and the Brady Bunch and the Sound of Music, we're kind of all of them wrapped in one. We really are. <laughs> Monday. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love it. I love it. And then, and you know what? The music is just beautiful. I love it. It's been a delight talking to you this morning. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. See you, guys. Well, the global beauty industry is worth more than $500 billion. That's a lot of lippy liner and lash extensions, right? But thanks to the rise of counterfeit cosmetics, you don't always get what you pay for. And worse, the damage can be more costly than just a dent in your bank balance. Face creams containing mercury, eyeshadow laced with lead, urine in perfume, formaldehyde in eyelash glue. Authorities have seen a huge spike in dangerous and sometimes fatal products being sold online, particularly social media. So how can consumers bypass black market beauty products and what are lawmakers doing to protect shoppers against copycat cosmetics? Let's get some answers here to break down the good, the bad and the downright ugly. Joe Uchukolo from Handle My Complaint. Hey, you Joe. With online shopping, potentially dangerous products are really just a click away, right? Uh, what, what are the most common beauty counterfeits? So the most common counterfeit beauty products are foundation, lipsticks and perfumes. And why that is, is they're also the, you know, part of the most common beauty products we use that are easy to reproduce. So what I find challenging around uh, counterfeit beauty products is I like to think that we're a little bit more concerned with what we put into our bodies and on our bodies rather than you know what brand names we're putting out to what our friends and families can see. So that's where we see a lot of warnings around dodgy, pro dodgy ingredients in beauty products and you know we'll cover some of those today. Okay so does it make it difficult for individual countries to police given the fact that cosmetics are sold globally like hello it's full full of cosmetics on social media? Yeah, so um, the global trade industry has gotten bigger and bigger, and so has the internet. So the, what we see a really significant rise in counterfeit beauty products for this reason. And because we have these syndicates moving cosmetics around the globe, it also makes it really challenging for police to, you know, obviously take action when they do know there's a counterfeit product. Joe, it sounds like a little bit or a lot of common sense. Like if you see a high-end lipstick being sold for $3 alarm bells should start ringing, right? But these counterfeit operations are highly sophisticated and their very sneaky and slick tactics weren't, aren't always that obvious. So what, what are some signs that you brought an imitation? Yeah, Larry, you do, you do you know, raise a good point. When it's $3 and it should be $60, um, it's easy to spot. But remember, it's, there's a lot of borderline cases here where people want to believe they're getting the genuine item. So I say there's five, five Ps to look out for. Price, is it significantly reduced, more so than you'd see in, in say, a department store? Um, where are you buying it from? Are you buying it from a reputable seller or somewhere that's unknown like a market or a marketplace? 
Packaging, this is a really telltale sign that you've got a fake product. Have a look for typos, grammatical mistakes, weird fuzzy pictures. Sometimes fakers can say it's a limited edition product, whereas really they've just faked you a product. Okay. okay. Uh, if an obvious rip-off arrives on your doorstep, what are your rights? I mean, can you return it, make a complaint? I think what they count on is the fact that we can't be bothered half the time. It's more trouble than what it's worth. Well, Kylie... I hate to say it, but fakers are thieves. So it's really hard to get any sort of outcome from a thief. If they come and burgle your house, they're not going to return your goods. So if you buy from a faker, it's really, really hard to get any money back or, or even to get them to respond. So if you do unfortunately end up with a fake product, you know, it's best if you can report it to the authorities, to the brand, and also try to raise awareness to other consumers. So putting reviews onto that profile is also really helpful. Okay. Hey, Joe. Kylie Jenner has previously spoken out about knockoffs from her beauty line, Kylie Cosmetics. At one particular rate in 2018, found bogus products containing like, animal feces and bacteria and high levels of metals even. So these can be really, really damaging to people. Yeah, absolutely. So it's damaging to the consumer and it's also damaging to the brand. As you mentioned, there's all sorts of foreign, you know, articles in those cosmetics when they're faked. Um, there's a story out of the UK. A man um, has been taken to court for selling fake MAC lipsticks. They had 300 times the level of lead that's allowed. Wow. And lead can cause everything from high blood pressure to neurological problems in the person and unborn babies. So, you know, that's it's really con concerning from the human level, from the person buying it, but also from the brand because then it starts devaluing the brand. You know, if you do see your friend has that particular brand on their on their bathroom cabinet is it real is it fake you know it, it, it's it's a lose-lose situation for everyone okay let's finish on an important message how can shoppers stay safe joe so the best thing to do is buy direct from the brand or from a reputable place check for any reviews ask for extra pictures really examine them and look for ingredients lists like you mentioned larry use your best judgment use some common sense if it sounds too good seems to be seems too good buy somewhere else. Yeah, and, and Google, as you say, Google that website and you'll find plenty of reviews come up if other people have been ripped off. It's the first thing you should probably do. Thank you, Joe. Thanks. There we go, another podcast done. How are you finding being a famous, fabulous podcast in our cult? Oh, I'm, li I'm liking it. You're liking no that? No hair, no makeup. <laughs> I can just sit here in my trackies. Hey, too early for no hair jokes. <laughs> leave it, leave. Um, for more on today's interviews, you can head to themorningshow.com.au or you can watch in full living colour, full episodes on 7 Plus. That's the one with full hair and full makeup. Yes. Don't forget to tune into the Morning Show weekdays right after sunrise. And hit that subscribe button to get the next Morning Show podcast as soon as it drops. Does it drop or does it pop up? Oh no, we drop it like it's hot. <laughs> Thanks for listening. See ya. Bye.